Hello, friends, and welcome to a golf podcast unlike any other. This is Fairway Rollin' on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. Every week on Fairway Rollin', it is myself and our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, talking all things professional golf, amateur golf, amateur betting, professional betting, amateur drinking, professional drinking by birdie buddies. If you want to hit them straight out there, please check out Fairway Rolling every week. Available on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Ringer NFL show. I'm Nora Pinciotti. I am here today with Sheila Kapadia and Benjamin Solak. How are you two wonderful men doing? It's very good to see you. I haven't seen either one of you in, in quite some time. It, it's good to be here. I'm doing well. I feel like, you know, I'm like the old uncle of the Ringer NFL show. But when I woke up and saw that Ben twisted his ankle getting out of bed, uh, I felt good about my role and my, my status on the show. So, yeah, <laughs> things are going well for me. I don't know about Ben. Currently standing 80-20 weight on my right foot. Thanks for checking in. Loving it. Living life. Right. It's great. Love well, to be an adult. Sometimes you got to p- play hurt. Maybe we're previewing some comeback player of the year uh, potential wow. with transitions. <laughs> but we're going to do some superlatives today. Um, MVP, offensive player of the year, some of the rookie stuff, coach of the year. We're going to go through them. Let's get to it. Should we start with MVP or should we save kind of the best for last? I like, I think we should start with it. Sheila and I did a pod about MVP odds and we both picked the same dude at the top. <laughs> and so I feel like the reveal is not going to be a huge reveal for regular Ringer NFL show listeners. So Justin Herbert hours, baby. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Why don't I hope everybody listened to that pod? It was fantastic and actually just didn't just include right? Your guys' top picks had some sleepers some sort of yep. middle middle value candidates. But Shield, why don't you walk us through the case that you, you both felt so good about here for MVP? Yeah, I think, I mean, we looking at MVP, it usually comes down to quarterback, monstrous numbers, and team success. And so he's a quarterback. I think he's going to put up monstrous numbers. I mean, over 5,000 yards 
last year. And if you look at Aaron Rodgers the last two years, I think he's been under like 4,300 yards. So even if you think Herbert's going to slip a little bit in terms of overall attempts and passing yards, uh, he's still going to be in that range. And then it just comes down to who do you think is going to win the AFC West? I mean, if you think it's the Chiefs, then you probably should not pick Justin Herbert. If you think it's the Broncos or the Raiders, same thing. Uh, I've got the Chargers. Uh, and this will, of course, not come back to bite me uh, later in the season. But I've got them winning the AFC West. And so if they can win like 12, 12 games, if they can win that division, he's going to put up monster numbers. I mean, he's 24 years old. It's, it's crazy how much he's already uh, accomplished. At this age, he's going to win an MVP at some point. He's the uh, bright, new, shiny toy, I think, as Solak called him in the last episode. So there's that newness yeah. factor. And so uh, that, that that's the case, I think, for Herbert. And to that point, Bills fans got mad at me. They were like, well, it was Josh Allen. Win the division. Put up a lot of stats. Never won MVP. It's like, yeah, that's that, the, the fact that like that brushed past my mind. I didn't like remember right away, oh, Josh Allen hasn't won an MVP, is... Point case in point, he is not the shiny new toy, right? MVP is a narrative award. I would love for it to be a who is the most valuable player award. It's not. It's who seems like, who vibes as if, what generally looks like the most valuable player. Kind of who do we want to highlight in terms of generating all this bluster? And Josh Allen would be absolutely deserving of an MVP award. But if Allen and Herbert have analogous seasons and analogous records, and they're both, you know, I was about to say both one season, their conference, they're in the same conference. They're both shooting for the same thing. Like, if they are roughly the same, the Herbert hype train already has too much steam. I don't, like, like Allen doesn't, isn't going to get, I think, a narrative bump the way that Herbert would kind of feel like. And now in his third season, he, they've officially won the division. They've made the playoffs. He's resuscitated the Chargers. He saved them from their playoff curse. The MVP. So you have to remember, MVP is a narrative award. And right now, the narrative juice belongs to Herbert. Disagree! I chose Josh Allen. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> so, okay, I, I'm with you on if the Chargers win that division, I think I think Justin Herbert's winning that award. I think that's a very safe if-then. I don't think they're winning that division. It's, it's just too hard for me to get over the Chiefs hump. I think the Bills are very clearly winning that division. And I do think, first of all, it did cross my mind that Josh Allen has never won an MVP. That, to me, had a little bit of narrative weight. Two, mm-hmm. while I worry a little bit about how things will go without Brian Dable, I think that gives him a narrative bump where there's still a totally more than reasonable amount of continuity on the staff, on the roster. But if he's great this year, and if they're really good, and if they're rolling, and you know, we're watching montages of, of crazy throws and scrambles and Josh Allen doing all sorts of Josh Allen stuff, and there's all sorts of narrative firepower to oh my God, if he'd just gotten a chance to get the ball back against the Chiefs, like this is really Josh Allen's best chance to to get back there and do it. I think he will get a lot of that credit. I think that will have a lot of narrative weight and firepower. So both as a semi-cumulative, like not lifetime achievement award because Josh Allen is still very young, but a, a slightly aggregated, he deserves it. Plus the division situation, plus losing Dable. I, I think I think Josh Allen could be like a, a darling. That said, factored into that is that I, I don't think that right. um, the, the Chargers are not my pick in that division. So if that were different, I might agree with you. Yeah, it's kind of like 
in terms of who I expect to be the leading horse in the MVP race, it's the quarterback of the winning team of the AFC West, unless it's the Chiefs, in which case Mahomes, right. you know, kind of uh, whatever the word is, we're tired or something. Mahomes boredom will then lead to kind of like maybe other conversations. But to me, like that, the quarterback winner of the AFC West, I expect to be the Chargers, whoever you expect. That guy's going to have so, so, so much respect. Like Russ as well, never won MVP, never even got a vote. Like that's still floating around there as well. Am well, I hearing Derek Carr MVP buzz from this, this podcast already? At like you tell 9 me. o'clock on a Wednesday morning. Okay, 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 okay. I tell you, Raiders beat out the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos to win the division. Oh, totally. Is there a world in which that happens and Derek Carr isn't MVP? No, like, how good no, of a season are we no. prognosticating for Josh Jacobs right now? Yeah, that's that's got to be the case. <laughs> I was ready to just answer, is there a world in which that happens? And I was ready to say no before you even uh, finish the uh, rest of the statement <laughs> yeah, there. So, I, I'm, uh, with, I, I'm with you, Shield. I think Allen is the favorite, I think, if you just look at FanDuel or whatever. Because at Nora, I think you made a good point. Like the, the chances that they are the number one seed are greater than the chances that any other team is the number one seed in the AFC. And so if they're winning 12 or 13 games, he's going to be the reason why. And so uh, I kind of disagree with, with Solak with the narrative. I think there will be a fine narrative around Josh Allen. It's like the, the playoffs last year, nine touchdowns, no interceptions, played pretty much two perfect games. And now he follows it up and they look like the best team in the NFL. They change offensive coordinators. It doesn't matter. He's putting the team on. When you watch him, it's like he's putting the team on his back. And so I think he'll be fine there. I think those are the two guys I, I was really debating between. Well, so let's do Offensive Player of the Year because what I love about Offensive Player of the Year is it can be like a freebie for your for the MVP pick that you didn't make. And yep. I'll, I'll spoil mine. I put Justin Herbert as Offensive Player of the Year because I think he's going to have a monster season, but I'm not ready to commit to getting over the hump in, in that division. And I think that would not allow him to win MVP, but... There's so much like we want to crown Justin Herbert. We want to do it so badly. And mm -hmm. even though sometimes that award goes to a position player and sometimes that's a good way to, to acknowledge an incredible season from someone who doesn't play quarterback, I, I kind of think Herbie would would have the juice for it. Ben, who was your offensive player of the year pick? Yeah, so offensive player of the year falls into two categories, right? It is quarterback who could have perhaps should have won MVP award. However, there was also another quarterback who also won the MVP award. So we got to give this guy something called that the Matt Ryan in 2016, uh, Patrick Mahomes in 2018, Cam Newton in 2015, or skill position player who sets record, which is what we've seen in the last three years. Cooper Cup won the Triple Crown receiving in 2021, Derrick Henry, 2000 rushing yards in 2020, and then Michael Thomas, who caught like 80% of his passes in 2019. So very cool stat skill position. If and only if there aren't two quarterbacks who equally deserve the MVP award. That's kind of how we, we parse this out. I think like, like Allen is a reasonable case. I think that you could you'd take, you know, Mahomes, Lamar. There's just so many quarterbacks that recently could win the award. To me, when I look at skill position guy who's going to set a record, I look to Jonathan Taylor, who last year the MVP case around Taylor was irritating last year because he it was incredible. He was the, the main reason the offense was working. He was being used at a high volume against heavy boxes and still ripping off explosive runs. He was more involved in the passing game. He was all that in a bag of chips. And then he had a five touchdown game. And it was like, whoa, where's, we should do Jonathan Taylor MVP hype. That's so, like, it, it can't, it's not just touchdowns. You can't be like, oh, he scored a lot. Here we go. Like you, the, he was so deserving of that conversation beforehand. Derrick Henry's been deserving of MVP conversation for multiple years. And it's just, he didn't rip off a five-touchdown game, so we couldn't talk about it. 
So it's a little bit of like a, we'll never talk about a running back as an MVP. So if a guy has an incredible season, he just kind of gets shooed into the offensive player of the year conversation. But Taylor was neck and neck with Cup last year in this conversation. Cup kind of jumped out week 17, week 18, had, had got that triple crown, finished that work. But Taylor was looking at knocking on the door of a 2,000-yard season. Taylor was knocking on the door of a 20-touchdown season. I think both of those things are still within range for Taylor. And so to me, I know that Matt Ryan in the building makes the quarterback play feel more competent. And accordingly, we think the Colts are going to pass more. But the impression that I get from what they still want to be on offense is Taylor-driven, run heavy, and then when we pass, we're just more effective. I think that leads to more scoring drive. I think that leads to leads to more fourth quarters where they're not trailing, which just leads to more opportunities for Taylor to put up yards and put up touchdowns. So Taylor was in this conversation last year. I have no reason to believe he's going to slow down. The offensive line is still great. I think the offense is going to be better writ large, and because he's the feature part of the offense, that'll benefit him. I think that offense will be better writ large too, but they're also, I mean, they are... They are one wide receiver injury away from you really got to rely on this running game, no matter how well Matt Ryan's playing in in some ways. Like, that's got to be a... a Does anybody know the Colts' highest paid receiver? Highest paid? Is he still on the roster? Is he on the roster? Yeah. 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 Like, as a a technicality or... No, no, no. No, I'm talking about, like, currently on the roster, who is making the most money this season? Alec Pierce? Nora? I mean, it can't be Pittman. It's Ashton Doolin. Mm. One year, $2.4 million contract, baby. It's oh more than Pittman. God. It's more than Pierce. More than Paris Campbell. They're all, they're all, none of them were first round picks. And they have no other second contract guys because TY's gone. And and tight end is Mo Alley Cox and, and uh, Jelani Woods. Ashton Doolin, all right? The linchpin of the passing game, as told by contract value. Okay. My the the Colts, I mean, they have what the, the third easiest schedule, I think. So yeah, if, mm-hmm. if they have leads in the fourth quarter and they're giving him the ball, I just do worry a little bit about the if the volume comes down a little bit uh from last year, given how run heavy they were, specifically the second half of the season when they were like, We are not gonna put the ball in Carson Wentz's hands to win uh these games. And so that would be my o- only concern. I hate this award. It's uh, like you guys were defining it, and I'm like, I don't even know what this is. I just look at it as the best non-quarterback offensive player. Uh, I I, don't, I know that's not what history would always say, but I, I went with Justin Jefferson. You know, could Justin Jefferson have like a Cooper Cup-esque year this year where he wins with the Triple Crown or whatever with the receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns? He's going to get a bunch of targets. I know he was like top five last year. He could certainly get that again. And so, you know, he had 1,600 yards last year. So it's not like I'm asking him to make some monumental leap. And so I went with Jefferson just uh, kind of out of default here. Can I, can I throw one extra out here and see how you guys feel about it? I, I couldn't commit to this. I don't think it's likely enough for a number of reasons. One, such a high bar to clear. Two, uh, questions about just like what's going on there. Any chance for Debo Samuel? I thought about Ooh. Debo. I absolutely thought about Debo. The thing for me is I don't know how much he's going to carry the football again because yeah. that was the whole contract dispute and he signed it and whatever. But if we get 18 games, which is really unlikely because of like injuries and also there should be healthier. But if we get 18 games of the last four to six games of Debo last year, he's offensive player of the year. Absolutely. He's the coolest player ever. and He's going to score a bajillion touchdowns and it's the bomb. And it's, I mean, and presumably Cooper Cup is not doing exactly the same. Th- like, I, 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 I agree with you that there's a path there. Just wanted to throw it out. I went with Herbie. All right. Ben, let's get your defensive player of the year. 
yeah, defensive player of the year. Uh, much like defensive rookie of the year, I would love to say that we give this award to like very talented players who do good jobs. So really, we give it to guys who play near the ball who do a lot of things, right? Aaron Donald notwithstanding, we we tend to reward counting stats. We've done it with J.J. Watt in a couple of seasons, which obviously Watt was incredible and he deserved it. Luke Keekley, we had Terrell Suggs. Only two corners have won this award since 2005. It was Charles Woodson in 2009, and then it was Stephon Gilmore in 2019. you got to remember, Trevon Diggs had 10 interceptions last year, and we were like, yeah, T.J. Watt is the defensive player of the year. There's really like nothing a corner can do counting-wise to beat out a as uh, productive as expected defensive lineman. So when we go through the list and we look for names that probably should be on here and aren't, Miles Garrett is the one that stands out to me. Garrett's not won a defensive player of the year award yet in his career. Uh, there was the time at which it seemed like he and TJ Watt both coming out of that class were kind of neck and neck. I think over the last couple of seasons, we've seen Watt declare himself as the better player. Uh, Watt was third in defensive player of the voting two years ago, second last year, and then he won it this, this, this past season. Miles Garrett's been also in the top three the entire time. Defensive player of the year tends to be a little bit of a lifetime achievement award when like a Donald or a JJ Watt doesn't win it. It kind of goes to who's the guy who's been around and me, Garrett's the guy who's been around. No reason Wait, to did believe- you say did you say TJ Watt has declared himself as the better player over Miles Garrett? Yeah. Really? He has no, I don't know. I, I don't agree yeah. with that. You're so that's Watt, counting stats. Watt Watt has been more productive per 16 games since pretty much they stepped into the league. Yeah, but Watt you you were just you were just ripping people for going with the counting stats. So that that's what you're you're going with. I mean, there's, if there's you two pulled, separate hold things. On, hold on. If you pulled 32 GMs right now and said you could have Miles Garrett or TJ Watt for the exact same price, do you think more more GMs would take TJ Watt over Miles Garrett? I do not. Yeah, I do. I don't think it would be really? it would be okay. I don't think it'd be like like 30 to 2, but I do. Why okay. firstly, firstly, you gotta remember <laughs> GMs don't like GMs care less about talent than we think and more about like is he a good locker room guy as a behavior? I was like, right, thirty-two he people who you trust. Season. <laughs> that's true. Thirty-two voice? people who uh, that's GM voice. That that's should be a segment, Nora. Voice. I don't know if we can do shorts with this, but I would do after we're done this episode. If we want to do five minutes with uh, <laughs> with GM voice, I would be in on that. But all right, I let me rephrase have that. Ben Thirty. Bill Belichick. <laughs> 32 uh, NFL people whose opinions you trust. I'll, I'll rephrase it that way. Yeah, I think you'd get, I think you'd get like 19, I'm doing math, to 13, right? Like 18 to 14, okay. you'd get Watt over Garrett. I, we, I, I don't think we would have been there a year ago, but it, like at, at this, like, Watt won football games for the Steelers single-handedly last year. I'll never forget that Chargers game and Watt just deciding to keep the Steelers in the game for four quarters. The Steelers were the better football team at, or excuse me, the Chargers were a better football team at every single position except for that guy lined up against their tackles. And it was a it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. The, the consistent level of dominance, ball production, batting passes, ball production in the running game, uh, uh, forced fumbles when, uh, when sacking the yeah. quarterback. Like, Watt does everything so, 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 so very well. And also, like, I think a, a, a big part of this is, is certainly draft capital. Garrett was the unquestioned 1-1. TJ was the 130 in that draft. It's not like, you know, TJ was 1-5, right? He was like a late, late first-round pick. And then also, he's got the JJ shadow that he's got to get out of. But if you look at... at, at it's a big Tate, shadow. If you look at Tate counting stats or advanced stats over the last two to three seasons, there's been no edge rusher more productive than TJ Watt. And to me, that to me that to that we're getting there in terms of public acceptance. Anyway, Miles Garrett's going to win the award because he hasn't yet, and I kind of wanted to shout him out. <laughs> because but he's if, worse than TJ Watt. But it, 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 if you ask me right now, like, all right, who's the best defensive player in the league, right? It's Donald? Ramsey? 
probably TJ at that point at number three. Okay. I love TJ. Well, you're right. There's a strong statistical. I mean, and, and it, someone could send the uh, stats, and you're right. Watt stats are ridiculous over you know pretty much every edge rusher in the league. It, it kind of boils down to like you know Miles Garrett against a great left tackle one on one, or TJ Watt against a, a great tackle one on one. I would take Garrett, but you're right. TJ Watt, his brilliance is in kind of all the different things that he does and he's always heard from every game so I would take Garrett if I was picking one but I just wanted to challenge you there you know you you made the declaration so uh, I'm gonna go with uh, somebody who's neither of those two guys Micah Parsons who I think you know very quickly could belong on that list of top five defensive players in the NFL maybe he's already there had 13 sacks as a rookie and if you look at there were 15 players who had double digit sacks last year he rushed the passer 74 fewer times than anyone else on that list. And so if you're Dan Quinn and you're looking at this defense in 2022, I feel like Micah Parsons is absolutely going to get more opportunities to rush the passer. Uh, I thought he passed the eye test with just like eye-popping plays when you watched him. You know, some of the things you mentioned with Watt, you're just like, all right, you're, you're going to hear from Micah Parsons in this game. And so, uh, you know, some of the stats, if you just look at like pressure percentage and that type of stuff, he was up there where there's a very easy case that if Micah Parsons gets more opportunities, uh, his numbers, he, he could easily be somebody who leads the league in sacks, tackles for loss, forced fumbles, like all, all those categories that you just mentioned. Are you worried at all that he plays on the edge less because he sort of did it out of necessity, but then he was incredible? So I, I, I'm with you that I can't imagine that they wouldn't want to keep feeding him opportunities there. But have you seen anything out of out of uh, Cowboys camp that indicates to you what his role is going to be like this year? Maybe that they signed Anthony Barr, you know, kind of late there, that maybe that takes some stuff off off of his plate. I don't know. I mean, I would just look at it, and as soon as the season ended, I would have looked at it and been like, okay, we have to figure out I've ways got to eyes. get him to yeah. rush the pass some more. But you're right. I mean, he did do a lot of different things, and he did a lot of different things really well for them. So maybe, uh, you know how coaches are. They like to uh, admire their own brilliance on, the, oh, we can get him to do this, this, and this. It's like, no, just uh, settle down there and get him to rush the passer, especially in every uh, passing situation, every third down. Ben, Michael Parsons? I'm not too worried about the reps issue where he's taking his snaps because we showed last year that we'd figured that out when we gave him defensive rookie of the year. You know what I mean? Like last year, it was like, like when I went to, to do defensive rookie prep, I was like, okay, this many edge rushers have won it. This many linebackers have won it. And then I was like, and Michael won it. And I don't even really know under which position he won it. You know what I'm saying? Like he won defensive right. rookie of the year for being really good at all of the spots. Um, what is he going to play this year? I don't really know. I expect him to be very productive at whatever his distribution of snaps is. And I think at this point, the national discourse knows enough about him to feel confident, like voting for him if he's producing independent of what his distribution is. So even if he, even if he's inside more, you think that he could have the counting stats and the impact plays that are like very obvious. If you just turn on a television yeah. and see them. Yeah. Can and you like, explain that to me a little bit? Because I, I think the more he plays on the edge, the more he's going to have opportunities to do that stuff. So explain what to you in terms of like the voting thing or in terms of like why the you don't think it, why you don't think it'll matter in terms of his production? Because I think when he's lined up uh, at linebacker, I think he's going to get tackles, batted passes and forced fumbles. When he's lined up at, at rush linebacker, I think he's going to get sacks, TFLs and forced fumbles. And then I think we're going to see a stat a week from next gen this week and from NFL on prime the week after and from sports info solutions the next week. That's Micah Parsons is the first defensive player in 19 years to X, Y, and Z. And yeah. that we're just going to be hammered, 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 hammered. Like, but if like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good, um, 
Like, I don't like when Jalen Ramsey in 2020, when he was like playing a lot in the slot, it was like sick, but it took us time during that season to be like, whoa, like Jalen Ramsey is playing in the slot a lot. This is really crazy. We're already there with Parsons. Like every yep. single game is going to be like Parsons took snaps in seven different positions and is the best player ever. Like we're being hit over the head with it. So I don't think we're going to like lose sight of that. You know what I mean? Love it. So I went with Nick Bosa. Um, in part because when I was I was out in San Francisco or in Santa Clara, however long ago, and was kind of surprised is maybe not the term, but it, it just was really noticeable to me how good they feel about that defense. Like, mm-hmm. obviously an incredible unit last year, but everybody there feels like this could be the best defense in the NFL. And I, I think the reason that they feel that way is particularly even just the addition of someone like Traverius Ward, I I think they feel like the back end of that defense is going to be just solid in a way that it hasn't been and that that's going to allow their front to kind of clean up. So he's in a contract year, which, you know, I don't always know how much to make of of that or not, but I think it it could be significant. They've lost some depth, like they lost Arden Key to the Jags. He's going to have a big workload and hopefully... That in combination with the coverage is going to be a little bit better. So there's less that they're compensating for. I, I think he could end up having a monster year. I mean, the, the bar is high because he had 15 and a half sacks last year. But I think there there could be some desire to sort of award that team in some way because they're interesting yeah. and they're good it's a little bit hard to say that, you know, I, I shied away from the Debo thing, right? Because it's a little hard to say we know what we're going to get on offense. But if I want to zig a little bit from the, like, absolute top, top candidates, I, I, I like Nick Bosa. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off and also celebrating the people who drink Crown Royal during games. I know I like to have some around whenever I'm taking in a basketball game, an NBA game. Always good to have around. And Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. Kick off week one with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with promo code RINGERNFL to get in on the action. 
Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. I like Josh Allen for MVP, and I feel like there's a little bit of buzz building for Matt LaFleur being a coach of the year candidate. Play your way and bet on more than just the final score. Wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to catches. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code RINGERNFL. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369 in New York. Call Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-522-4700 in West Virginia or visit www.1800gambler.net, also in West Virginia. I like that. He's going to put up monster numbers. And like you said, he could be the best player on the best defense. He's on. He should be on the short list. Absolutely. Best, best player on the Niners defense is Fred Warner, but he'll never win the okay. award. It'll make me sad. Maybe. Okay. I Sorry, was so man. hoping Nora was about to go Fred Warner, and then it was Bosa. I was like, ah, lame. But like, it's not. I, I love you. It's I, not going to be Fred Warner. I would Warner. like to do it for you. <laughs> However. <laughs> um, the other thing, I, I do have a, a, it's not, I don't have a bone to pick with you, Ben, but I'm just going to do it with you because uh, your guide to me, go. So another thing that I discovered is that they used to um, they used to have a phrase, I guess, like a catchphrase where uh, which was all gas, no breaks. I, I guess like that defense used Robert to have it on. Sala, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was a solid thing and it was on T-shirts. Well, now that's with the Jets. Now yeah. that's like Sala's in New York walking around wearing sweatshirts that say all gas, no breaks. So yep, here the Jets we are, are gonna the win 49ers defense. Yep. They need to come up with something new. Do either of you know what they came up with? No. No. I'm scared. Special effort and relentless mindset. Swarm yeah. for short. Oh, swarm is cool. At, at first, is wait, ep- a little effort, clunky. Effort starts with an E, though. Yeah, I was thinking Sears in first, but then the M doesn't work. They serum. Do they turn the E on its side? (laughs) Are they like E and then it's a W? (laughs) We're going to do coach of the year and then I'm going to get back to you because now you're, there must have been either like somebody has some real spelling issues or because you're so right. And that's what I read. Special effort and relentless mindset, but that can't be right. I guess if it was. Unless it is serum. Or special effort. You know, like sometimes yeah. kids, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Special effort. Willpower? What? What? Yeah. All right. Special will. Okay. Ben, give me your coach of the year and we're going to figure this out. Okay. So, coach of the year. There are two things to look for for coach of the year if you look back over the last, like, 10, 15 winners. Number one, you got to win a lot of games. The last coach to win coach of the year without winning 10 games, at least 10 games, on a 16-game schedule 
was Jimmy Johnson in 1990. He went 7-9 and and won it, and I didn't bother to figure out why he was allowed to do that, but whatever. Shout out Jimmy Johnson. Um, The other thing you have to look for is guys who have uh, firsts, right? First-year coaches win it a lot. Kevin Stefanski, Matt Nagy, Sean McVay, Bruce Arians when he was an interim with the Colts, uh, Jim Harbaugh when he's with the Niners. All first-year coaches uh, all won the award. It also can be that you are the coach of a like first year quarterback. When uh, uh, Arians won in Indy, it was Luck's first year there. When uh, Jason Garrett won it in 2016, which yes, Jason Garrett won Coach of the Year. When he won it in 2016, it was Dak Prescott's first year, Lamar Jackson's first year when John Harbaugh won it. So we want coaches who win a lot and we want first sorts of new things going on in those areas. So if you go and you look at teams with high win totals, Bills, Buccaneers, Packers, Chiefs, Rams, like there's nothing interesting there. But you can get the Colts who have a, 10-game win total right now in Vegas, who have not yet made the playoffs under Frank Reich, who have endured a lot of quarterback change, and now have not like a first-year quarterback in terms of the draft, but they have Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. I think Frank Reich's a really good coach who's got some issues that he's been dealing with. They keep on giving up big games late. If we get the season from the Colts that we hope to get, dominant in a bad AFC South, clean, crisp, quality football by a really good roster, with Matt Ryan there in his first season, Yeah, a 12-win Colts team, to me, gives Frank Reich a really nice runway to win this award. Uh, You could also look at, like, Eagles, Nick Sirianni, and kind of, you know, talk yourselves into, like, okay, it's not really first year, but second year. But when I, like, look at kind of what's what's been the fence post for this award recently, I like Frank Reich with the Colts. Yeah, I think he would have to win. Like, they would have to be especially dominant. Like you said, they would have to win 12 games. 12 games, yeah. Yeah, be in the running for the first seed or be the first seed. Because, yeah, if they go... 10 and seven and win the AFC South. They're just kind of, yeah. you know, where they usually are. So you're right there. Uh, I'm launching a campaign here with my choice. You know, there were, Ben, you mentioned the uh, Russell Wilson has never gotten an MVP vote thing. I'm yeah. launching a campaign, which I didn't. Sometimes when you do these exercises, you prep for a podcast, you learn something. I learned Mike Tomlin has never won. It's Coach so of the bad, year. dude. It's, it's so crazy. bad. Matt Nagy has won Coach of the Year. Jason Garrett has won Coach of the Year. Mike Tomlin has not had a losing record in 15 years and has never won Coach of the Year. Mike Tomlin took Duck freaking Hodges and Mason Rudolph to an 8-8 record. How did he not win Coach of the Year? It's so bad. uh, I'm not like going on the record and picking the Steelers to make the playoffs, but I'm also not betting against Mike Tomlin. Like There's a scenario where they win 9 or 10 games and make the playoffs. And you know what? This should just be a a lifetime achievement award. If the Steelers make the playoffs, give Mike Tomlin the Coach of the Year award. I don't care about anybody else. He's going to be doing it with either Mitchell Trubisky or a rookie in Kenny Pickett. And so uh, I, mine was not an, like an analytically sound. You know, Ben laid out the reasons for the coaches who usually win this. Well, you know what? Those have led to some terrible decisions. So let's change how we do this and just look at who we think the best coaches. And Mike Tomlin is probably going to be one of the best coaches in the NFL this year. Yes. Probably, yes, absolutely, yes. Tomlin is, is one of the best coaches. Yeah. He should win it now just yeah. for having done what he's done forever. They should just name just it now. I like that. Let's start the campaign coach now, of, just coach name of the it. Mul- coach of the decade. I guess yeah. the decade hasn't been that long. Yeah. We'll work on coach? it. We'll workshop it. He can be the he can be the ringer NFL coach of the year. How's that? I'm sure yeah. he'll be very delighted. I like that. By the way, guys, it's, it's special work ethic, not effort, which is probably on, on okay. me and my so non-special work it's, ethic. It's... Swarm, because the E is still in there. (laughs) 
Demico is still like baby. Yeah, I'm gonna I, go. I, with I love I I love me some Demico Ryan's. I'm not. I'm worried about Swarm. I think Swarm the has bad vibes. Swarm is my only concern <laughs> for the 49ers defense. Um, Who's your coach of the year, Nora? <laughs> so distracted by Swarm. Oh boy. Um. All right. Slightly, I guess this is maybe slightly similar to Shields, in, in that this is one that we just like should have done. I think our guy Kevin Clark wrote a really good profile of Matt Lafleur, um, who famously has not won Coach of the Year, and I think that's because largely there's this like, oh, Aaron Rodgers just does everything narrative. The last year in Aaron Rodgers has maybe indicated that he's not the easiest guy to coach. Yeah. And if that team just like continues to be the Packers and win double digit games every season and be really, really good, I wonder if there will be a movement, perhaps spearheaded by our guy, Kevin Clark. I don't know why I always have to call him our guy. I think it's because he does it. But (laughs) the combination of he probably was deserving in the past and didn't get it, a la Tomlin. And Hey, so the quarterback's on ayahuasca, apparently. Like, this might be a complicated situation. Maybe Matt LaFleur deserves it. So I I went with Matt LaFleur. I also could see, like, I don't know, a Doug Peterson. I just wanted to say the name Doug Doug Peterson in in front of the two of you and see what happened. Yeah, Doug Peterson, who rightfully should have won 2017 Coach of the Year, not Sean McVay. McVay clearly overrated at this point. Doug won a a Super Bowl first. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the issue with, uh, so, like, Doug is a, is a good example of the other big factor. I talked about, like, first-year coaches and, and winning a lot of games. But you also have to add a lot to last year's win, right? And that's a gesturing to what you guys have, have brought up, which is the fact that sustained success is, is punished by this award. We give it to coaches who drastically improve right. on last year's numbers because it feels new. It feels the, it's the Herbert thing. It feels fresh. Uh, Stefanski added five wins when he took over. Matt Nagy added seven. McVay added seven. Uh, Arians was nine and three as an interim. The Colts had won two games the season previous. Harbaugh added seven when he won it. It's also taking a big boost in win total. So if we're talking first year coach. Doug obviously's had a, a job beforehand who boosts win total tremendously. Like if the Jaguars go from what they won two games last year to eight, Doug's a really good candidate in that regard. Uh, all of these narrative arguments, by the way, like it's so good that you guys bring up Tomlin on the floor because the one guy who fits like the formula the best is Nate Hackett. And I refuse to mention yeah. Nate Hackett as deserving yeah. of coach of the year. That I, I I categorically deny it. So it's a bad formula. It's just the one that voters tend to use. Well, yeah, yeah that, but that, I, that, I think you I think there has to be a, an addendum to the formula for but you traded for Russell Wilson. Yeah. Because you have to look yeah. at like there's like a a credit pie that matters for these things. Yes. And I think Russell Wilson would get if they are good enough that Nathaniel Hackett would be a good coach of the year candidate. He won't Russ be is winning because Russ exactly, will be yeah. getting the See, credit for it. Now you're thinking like a sports better, Nora. It's all right. If well, X ah! happens, got to bet on Y. Yep. I, I think, yeah, that, that that's 100% true. So the other guy who I think fits it better than Hackett would be Kevin O'Connell. If they win the NFC North, you know, no one's going to say, wow, Kirk Cousins no is a different Kirk. guy this year. Everyone's going to say, oh my gosh, Kevin O'Connell came in and got this version of Kirk and they're play- playing better and they pulled off the upset. They dethroned the Packers. So he's kind of my, uh, my, I don't know what to make of him, but he's sort of my sleeper pick that fits the profile of first year head coach. Uh, everyone's feeling good. Maybe they overachieve. I, I like that a lot. 
in the sense that I feel like if they do that, it's actually kind of almost automatic. I just don't think they can. It's kind yeah. of like the Herbert thing is I just, I don't, I don't think they're beating the Packers. Uh, comeback player of the year. Can I start because I have a question? Go ahead. Yeah. Does, does Lamar qualify? Yeah. Lamar Jackson. Yeah. He played 12 games, but I also feel like he should get a boost from like the total decimation that was around him. <laughs> like come back by osmosis. I don't know that I would say he qualifies 12 games. I mean, let's see. On... I don't think it's I don't think that's going to be enough of a come. Although, again, I said the other thing was a dumb award. This is also a dumb award. I don't know what you have yes. to come back from. So I don't want to tell you that I don't want to say anyone's wrong and that anyone can't make it because I don't understand it at all. But yeah. it feels As of just, right now, just, just when you said it, I thought it, thought it felt like a stretch, but maybe yeah. I'm wrong. As of right now, I'm looking at like a, an odds kind of accumulator and I don't see Lamar listed anywhere. So maybe Lamar doesn't count in that regard. Okay. All I right. feel like I, my my thing with Lamar is like, I think Lamar is going to have an MVP caliber season and then I think someone else is going to get the award and they're going to be like, eh, come back player of the year. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's the, you could have won MVP toss, but there are other guys like the top of books right now is Jameis Winston, which sure. Derek Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Michael Thomas, Daniel Jones, Mitchell Trubisky, what? Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson. Those are the guys who are at the top of books right now. Okay, I the permission to stick with Lamar because that list is terrible. That's yeah. that's the top. That's the top of books in terms of odds, right? And then you have like a bunch of like, you know, J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne, Chase Young, Julio Jones, guys that legitimately had injuries last year. Okay. I will, if it's not Lamar, I want to, I want to be in Ravenland. Um, what about Poe the Raven? <laughs> Big yeah. comeback for Poe. He's off the board. I mean, he's the overwhelming favorite. You can't even put any lettuce down on, on him. All right. Well, if I can't do Lamar and I can't do Poe, then I'll, I'll stay in the same universe. And, and I like, I like the idea of JK Dobbins. I just feel like mm. there should be an acknowledgement of coming back from, a team health situation that was yeah. so untenable to being really, really good. And right. I would like to award that. I, I also, th I mean, there's, there's logic to, um, as much as there can be logic to picking a running back for like any NFL award anymore. I think there's some logic to that just because it seems like this iteration of that offense might not be quite as hell bent on, no, we're going to figure out how to throw downfield finally. I think they might be a little bit more just like, let's be who we are this year. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go if I can't. My A choice is Lamar, but if that's unacceptable, I'll, I'll, I'll take Dobbins. Yeah, Dobbins is a fun one because talent-wise, I think Dobbins has shown that he can be really, really good in the league and is going to be really, really good in the league. Assuming he's back, we have to remember like, we always like to say, like, like, you know, ACL tear. He tore multiple ligaments in his knee. This is one of the bad ones, right? Like, yeah. Gus Edwards tore the ACL. He tore ACL, MCL damage. I think he had LCL issues as well. Like, this is a gnarly one. If he comes back from it, firstly, it's truly a comeback. And secondly, I agree, where I think he's going to be a massive beneficiary to the way they play offense. Um, I'm going char chalk. I think Derrick Henry should win this award. I talked about this a little bit on a pod we did with mm. show last week, where Henry, man, if... Like Henry is is the he's the he's the John Snow against the 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 horde. You know what I'm saying? Like, he is the last bastion. I just watched that episode last night. 
Okay, so you blew out your AirPods, so I read your lips and you said, I just listened to this episode last night, <laughs> but I want you to know the audio didn't come through the Zoom because you were too high to have a register. I don't know. It didn't go through. But it's a great episode, right? It's so good. Game of Thrones is so good. Sorry. If only <laughs> if only somebody had told you, Nora. Um, no, they did. I was just scared, but now I want... It's good. It's great. Anyway, continue. Yeah. I love it. Derrick Henry had one of a few 2,000-yard seasons. I'm pretty sure he was the fourth running back to ever do it two years ago. And then last year, he was on pace to do it again and then had a list Frank, a uh, Jones fracture, excuse me. If he comes back, his, his rushing total set at 1,350 yards. If he comes back and is a 1,500-yard rusher again at 29 with A.J. Brown gone, coming off of a foot injury, which is the worst sort of injury. And to me, like, it, it's like, I don't care what Jameis does. This should be a shoe-in. Uh, to... to <laughs> You know, kind of in, in acknowledgement of how difficult it is to be a bell cow back in the modern NFL. So to me, Henry Henry is deservedly chalk right now and should remain chalk for as long as he stays healthy. Can we clip? I don't care what Jameis does. That seems like something that would be be useful going forward. Yeah, I, I I I think if he does that, right, like totally. I just worry about okay. Here's a player who we've been looking at for years and going, how can he keep doing what he's done? And he's Proved many people wrong in, in to that effect time and time again. But that's still a factor. And then you add in a foot injury, which is right. just like ah, a big but running that's back. But that's the thing. It's a fracture in his foot is scary, scary business to me when he's set that high a bar. Because what if, like, here's the thing, is what if he comes back and has a 987-yard season. There's actually yeah. something that's like still kind of remarkable in some ways, right. and I just don't think that it will will translate I, in yeah. this way because it's like he didn't come all the way back. I, yeah, I don't think he'd win it, right, if he had a 987-yard season. However, it's it's like, it's it's the way, like, you know, we, 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 we hope that GMs run teams. Don't bet on outliers until you find one. Right. Like, yeah, don't don't go swinging for the outlier until you very clearly have one, in which case build around it. Right. This is the advantage. That's what to me, Henry has reached the point where I there is no player in the league for whom I am more confident could return from a major injury and continue to find ways to produce because of the ridiculous slanted odds, which he has already produced in his career. Right. Henry already should be should have been tailing off. He's been tailing off two years ago. Look at the, the amount of players he has to run against, the, the way they run the football, the attention that he gets. He already should have been bad. He's still good. At this point, I'm, I'm, I'm over betting against Derrick Henry. And so to me, it's, it's if, like, and I, I brought this up in the podcast with Shield, we've heard nothing. There's been no, like, they're softly bringing Derrick Henry. It's just like for every Titans beat, it's like, yep, and Derrick Henry's back. And that to me is just astounding yeah. in and of itself already. So I've got faith in the guy. I went with one funny one and one uh, sleeper. And so the funniest one, Ben, you just ran, uh, read the list, is Allen Robinson. Because, like, what is he coming back from? Playing with Andy being Dalton sad. and being coached by Matt Nagy and being sad? <laughs> I mean, what is this? Honestly? What, how, yeah. But yeah, Nora's like, yeah, that's, yeah, that yeah. he should win it for that. Maybe that's he should, diversity, but man. I just don't, uh, yeah. I just don't understand. Alan yeah, Robinson so. just crying at the awards presentation. Gallon, like, I've been through so much. And there's like actual injured players in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. There's guys with like two injured Achilles, you know, who ran for a thousand yards and they're like, you didn't have it as bad as Alan Robinson had it last year. So that, to, yeah. You'd have to read the list. I'd like to thank Blake Portals. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, coming back from sadness, I think you you termed it well. That would be the funniest one. Here's my, my sleeper is Daniil Hunter. And he's like way down that list. 
but he's mm-hmm. played in seven games the last two years. And I just love Daniil Hunter. Like if he's healthy, he could have 15 sacks. He could lead the league in sacks. And so if he gets up there, uh, I feel like I'm naming a lot of Vikings during this episode. That's probably yeah, not going to bode well say, for me this season. I'm leaning, all the, I'm leaning all the way in, I guess. But uh, he was one Shield that I, I looked... a big Minnesota Vikings guy. <laughs> I, I looked down the list and I was like, eh, like kind of like what Nora, you know, when she heard those names, she's like, yeah, I'm not going to mm. pick Daniel Jones here. And so uh, that's kind of what I did. And I kept going further and further yeah. down. And I said, maybe Daniel Hunter. The long shot pass rusher for me is Carl Lawson, baby. I wanted to see Lawson good one. in this defense so freaking bad last year, and I got to wait I a like year. That. I'm just so pumped up to see it again. Carl Lawson. All right. Offensive rookie of the year. Ben, let's go. Yeah, I hate offensive rookie of the year. It's my least favorite award. Josh Jacobs sort of won it over Kyler Murray in 2019. It's such BS. Like, oh, quarterback started 12 games. Here's the award. It's just irritating. So it's actually really fun this year because you have non you you don't have any quarterbacks projected to start among the rookies so as long as mitch makes it like through the first half of the season Pickett ain't winning this award he's not gonna play long enough to accumulate what he needs to accumulate in order to win the award unless he walks out as really good i got news for you i do not anticipate this would be the case with kenny pickett so i'm feeling okay about that however if we stay in pittsburgh this young man by the name of george pickens holy smokes pickens is really 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 fun to watch uh, Pickens is not what we typically see when we talk about this war because he's not a first-round player. However, he very well could have been a first-round player in terms of talent, and it's not like he's lacking for the visibility of it. It's not like he's like a second-round pick out of North Dakota State, Christian Watson. Like, no, he's, he's everybody knew who George Pickens was. He fell because of, of maturity concerns, and he fell because of injury concerns. Pittsburgh is really good at getting production out of receivers, really good at getting production out of young receivers. They have very clearly prioritized George Pickens. Chase Claypool did not play in the slot last year. Chase Claypool's playing in the slot this season. That's because Pickens beat him out for the outside receiver spot in camp. They are, as the guy who wrote about George Pickens, the Steelers are trying very hard to keep how excited they are about George Pickens as quiet as possible. They really, really believe in the talent of this guy. Um, I think that with him, and obviously there's a good receiving core there, but I think with him bringing the outside downfield contested catch ball that they kind of need when they're trotting Mitchell Trubisky out there, I think you're going to see a very productive Pickens. You level that up against the production we're expecting from first-round receivers. Drake London is injured. injured. Garrett Wilson hasn't broken the depth chart. Olave may be good. Jahan Dotson is not. We expect to be productive with Carson Wentz. And then Traylon Burks, who's struggling. Like I expect Pickens to be the most productive of the rookie receivers early. I like him for offensive rookie of the year. So it, I want to hear your... your um, it For me, I was really caught between Pickens and Olave. Mm-hmm. Just because... Pickens has has been so great in through camp up to this point. And it seems like they think so, so highly of him. The only thing that that really gives me pause is just the overall offense that he's going to be playing and who's going to be throwing the ball. And that makes me feel a little bit more inclined to think about Alave just because I have more trust in, in that offense what do you do you think that the picket Trubisky factor is a factor for Pickens or like there's going to be enough there no matter what, no matter what the yeah. quarterback play is like? Trubisky doesn't scare me that much more than like Jameis scares me. I know it's fun to love Jameis and like Jameis throwing a bunch of picks isn't going to make Chris Olave worse. It's going to like take away possessions, obviously, but like they're going to be down. They're going to continue to throw the ball. But Trubisky is in terms of like 
talent of throwing the football to the receivers really not that bad. Like he 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 isn't. It's it's functional enough that he can sustain a rookie of the year production season from a receiver like George Pickens. Saints fans to turn the podcast off. Alave's good, but he's he's he is a capped player. It breaks my heart because I love him. Loved him coming out. But this is a, a small dude. He is going to be good as a as it as a cog in the offense, filling a role. A role which we should note, like, is a lot of short and underneath stuff that Michael Thomas already does. And I know Saints fans are like, no, they're using him deep down the field. Jameis loves to throw it deep. This is not a big person, man. Like, there is a limit here in terms of what he can be in that. You don't win offensive rookie of the year by being a deep shot guy. Uh, Pickens, to me, has a clearly higher ceiling because he has a three-level usage that the Steelers are opening up for him. Whereas for the Saints, I feel like if Olave, is, if they try to give him that feature role over a Michael Thomas, I don't think they're going to get returns on their investment. I love Olave as a player. It's just he's a role player. There's a new slant boy in town? Is that what you're saying, Ben? He runs a very nice slant. I think he can run a little bit more. There will only forever be one slant boy. Shout out, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. New Philadelphia Eagle. Eagles win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm surprised we've gotten this far. I thought you were going to choose Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for like every one of these awards. So I'm surprised uh, <laughs> we made it this far uh, w- without doing that. I had it between Pickens and one other player. You made the case for Pickens, and I think it's a great case. He's all- also going to have the clips of him just knocking over cornerbacks at the line of scrimmage, which he yeah, did in right. college and is already doing now, which is fun. Uh, I went with Damian Pierce, uh, The you know, because... Wide receiver Ooh. is so hard because you're a lot. You have to rely on so many things. You know, you have to rely on the quarterback, the offensive line. Uh, you know that you, you got to put up your numbers, targets. Damian Pierce is just going to get the ball a lot, I think. And I know he didn't have high usage in college. We'll see if he's able to handle that or not. But I think he'll have the numbers uh, necessary to win it for a running back. And I also just feel like. I don't even know what else I was going to... Oh, he has, a, he has a physical, like, fun running style. Like, I think he's going to be a fun player to watch. Now, the Texans are not going to be in the spotlight. They're not going to have five yeah. national, uh, nationally televised games. But I think fantasy probably uh, helps a little bit with this. And so uh, I went with Damian Pierce. I'm trying to find a skill position player drafted outside of the first two rounds with one offensive rookie of the year. Mm. And I don't... I don't know when Anthony Thomas, the 2001 winner for the Chicago Bears, was drafted. So we've reached the end of like my knowledge of things. <laughs> it, the, the worst part about Rookie of the Year is that it's based off draft capital. Like I know we're, we're probably about to go to Defensive Rookie of the Year, where 18 of the last 22 winners have been top 16 picks. It's boring. It's just, it, it, are you drafted early? You might win this award. It sucks. Like Pierce is a good pick, but even with fantasy, I don't know if enough people literally know him in order to make it the award. Yeah. Next year when we do this, we're gonna we're gonna um order the awards by which ones annoy us the most. Ooh, the least. hate rankings. I'm in. The hate All rankings. All of them. Every single one first. <laughs> Seven way tie. Um, all right. Well, speaking of, Ben, since you, you just expressed your your deep appreciation for it, do you want to give us your defensive rookie of the year? Pick? Wait, we didn't get did we get your offensive yeah, what's, uh Nora? Oh, Are you picking? Oh, you did. oh, oh. Yeah. Pickens I, and I went I, I I ultimately no, I was tempted, but I I went Pickens too. Yeah, okay. boy. Uh big George, good ball player. Uh defensive rookie of the year. So eighteen of the last twenty two picks have been top sixteen selections, which sucks. Uh, there's also like defensive player of the year is award that belongs to uh, guys who tackle football players, guys who are around the ball. So we have seven edges, nine uh, off-ball linebackers, and then also whoever Michael Parsons is. So that's 17 of the last 22 have gone to edge slash uh, 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 off-ball linebacker players. The remaining five, 
Okay, you might be like, you know, corners. It's actually not. Two corners have won it. Marcus Peters in 2015 and uh, Marshall Lattimore 2017, so recently. But we also have three defensive tackles. Aaron Donald uh, in, in 2014, Sheldon Richardson in 2013, a little bit of cheating because he was like defensive end in a 3-4, but he had three and a half sacks, not real. Uh, and then Adamakin Sue in 2010. Accordingly, top 16 pick, plays defensive tackle, can be a member of a great defense, and just deserves shine. It's Jordan Davis. All right, big fella. Defensive tackle, Philadelphia Eagles. I do not believe in the ability of any of the pass rushers to be an eight-sack guy in their rookie season. I don't see it from Aiden Hutchinson. I don't see it from Trayvon Walker. I think Thibodeau could get there, but we're also dealing with a little bit of a health issue for Thibodeau right now. Yeah. Uh, so if you're not going edge and you go and you look in the top 16, you ain't fine off ball linebackers. So we, we, we don't got pass rusher. We don't got a linebacker. That opens the field. And so unless you get an incredible season from Sauce or an incredible season from Stingley, which I would allow for both because I love both, Jordan Davis just freaking sitting there at 13. He's going to have a few sacks as a cleanup player, as just a, a presence in the middle. He's going to be on the field. And he is going to be ludicrously valuable for a massive defensive improvement. And we've seen that we're smart enough to give the award defensive tackles when they play well. Like Sheldon Richardson won it because he stopped the run for a Rex Ryan defense. This has happened. I'm taking Jordan Davis, baby. Sheil, I'm just going to let you 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 go here. Well, I think that if Jordan Davis wins, it would have to be the film grinders would really have to have a lot of clout here. I don't think he's going to put up a lot of sack numbers. He obviously did not in college. I know it's a different scheme. I know he's going to be asked to do different things. Also, the playing time worries me a little bit. You know, they've got Fletcher Cox. They've got Javon Hargrave. Like, I, he's not going to be playing, you know, 70% of the snaps for sure. Ben is not worried. He has the bit most unconcerned look I've ever seen. Uh, and so, yeah, there could be, you know, if he's just making highlight level plays like he did in sort of their first preseason game where he's just tossing people around and their defense is much improved, which we'll see if it, if it is, then he, he certainly could be the pick. Um I went, you know, I didn't do all you, you, I wish you could have given me some of this research before the pod. I didn't, you know, research the 18 and 22. And so I was just like, when when you're out, when you're out here betting on folks, (laughs) you're looking up a lot of things. Okay. I just looked at the list and go, oh, sauce Gardner. That could be interesting because Jets fans, Jets fans are going to be really sad. Uh, Jets fans are going to be really sad about their offense. Jets fans are going to need something that gets them excited this defense, I feel like, could be competent, mediocre. They've got enough players to be like a, you know, sort of a fun, me- mediocre uh, defense. And so Sauce Gardner, I feel like if he's playing well, he's just going to be so hyped that Jets fans are going to be ecstatic. A lot of people are going to be ecstatic. And so uh, he-, he is my pick. And, you know, he's got the personality. He's got yeah. the nickname. He's fun. And so he, he kind of checks all those boxes for me. Well, in terms of like a changing league like I said like oh since 2020 like 18 less 22 whatever and like you have all these defensive linemen and these linebackers if you do the last seven years corners have won two last seven awards right because the two yeah. that have won it have been Marcus Peters and March on Latimer. it is possible you do need to have bad edge production and bad linebacker production to get there but I think we we can get there which opens Maybe. up the world to like your corners your Jordan Davises and you know Kyle Hamilton but he's not going to win it Jordan Davis is be good. another way to get no. there another way to get there would be via a player who didn't allow a touchdown in all of college and has not had a single person throw at him throughout the preseason, which is, to Shields' point, Sauce Gardner. He is my pick because it is unclear that he will give up a catch. 
It has it has yet to happen. If nobody and throws at him, he doesn't get any stats. Can't win the award, baby. If yeah. nobody, you know what? I I'm not a I'm not a a, a betting woman. If no one throws <laughs> at Sauce, he should win. If he goes the entire season, <laughs> I actually would love like somehow if this yes. could happen, it would be the most incredible thing to 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 sort of like test how we analyze things. If not a single football goes his way, I think he should win the award. And I have no proof that that won't happen. So he was my pick as well. I love it, Chill. I'm right there with you. Think, think like of the it. cheeky social content the Jets can do if nobody throws it at Sauce, right? Just think about all the fun, like, Sauce Gardner, what do you do during games? And just, like, cut to videos of him, like, you know, like, playing cards, and, like, you know, like, reading and, like, just uh, having a great time. He's on a Game Boy. Yeah. He's just hanging out. Do they make, is our Game Boys a thing? Anymore? Absolutely not. They were a thing when I was a child, but I loved it. It was a good reference. Okay. Listen, cool. I like it cool. as, the, again, as the uncle of the podcast, I'm in on all, any and all Game Boy references. Teenage yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles, great game back in the day. Pokemon Emerald, man. That was the go-to. Long car rides. I have nothing to contribute <laughs> other than referencing a Game Boy. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys both so much. This has been the Ringer NFL Show. How do you end a podcast? Um, you do your best. You do, you do your best Kevin Clark imitation. That's what I always do. This has been the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. You got to cut all of your syllables as short as possible. This has been the Ringer NFL Show. Thank you all for listening. We will be back tomorrow. Thank you, as always, to Stefan Anderson for production on this episode, and to Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal for additional production supervision. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC Pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.